Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida, and brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. South Florida Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Mel Melendez delivers this download with Dr. Julio Frank, exploring innovation and the impact of higher ed on business. Welcome, Julio. Thanks so much for joining us on Florida Business Minds. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure. Now, you're the president of the University of Miami, a private university with about 20,000 students enrolled in nearly 350 majors and programs. UM also ranks as one of the nation's top research universities, thanks to its Miller School of Medicine, which is known for its studies in the areas of engineering, marine science, psychology, and education. So uh, let's chat a little bit about higher education's role in educating our workers and our future business leaders. Now, I know that universities, like most sectors, faced multiple challenges during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Schools had to pivot to remote classrooms and whatnot. Can you talk about how colleges and universities have uh, bounced back from that? There's no question that the COVID pandemic was a a once in a century event that disrupted not just public health, but it disrupted the economy, the social interactions, and education was no exception. In fact, I do believe that uh, the two sectors of the economy that were most disrupted structurally were higher education and healthcare. And that those happen to be the two sectors that our university participates in. But when it comes to the, the educational mission, we decided to keep the University of Miami open. It turns out that um, public health is my field of specialization. I am now the president of the university, but my career, I'm a public health physician. And so I've, I've had a lot of experience with previous pandemics. In fact, the COVID-19 was like my fifth pandemic. Uh, now, this is one where I had to make very, very clear decisions about what to do with our students, our faculty, our staff. And also bear in mind an important factor. The University of Miami is the third largest employer in Miami-Dade County. And we have dozens of vendors and contractors. So had we decided to close down First of all, that would have been negative for our students in terms of the fact that their experience would have not been the same, but it would have also had a ripple effect on the local economy because most of those vendors would have also have to shut down along with the university. So we did a very careful planning process. As I say, it helped that that I have substantial experience in this. The university invested over $30 million to make its campus safe. We developed our own testing capability, our own contact tracing, our own quarantine and isolation. We changed all the ventilation systems. We'll redesign all the classrooms to assure spacing. And through that, uh, as of the uh, fall of 2020, in August of 2020, we were able to welcome students back on campus. We gave them the choice. Any student who had a pre-existing medical condition We told them not to come. We would provide a a very good online alternative. And we also, you know, if a student or their parents felt that they didn't want to take the risk, they could stay home. As it turned out, 75% of the students chose to come back in the fall of 2020, and then 80% in the spring of 2021. We uh, implemented this very carefully designed plan. And thankfully, we were able to stay open and we didn't have a single case of in-classroom transmission of COVID. We had students who would pick up the disease outside 
And then there was transmission in the dorms. But because we were testing students, we quickly picked those up, introduced the, the isolation and quarantine, and we were never overwhelmed like other universities that opened that had to shut down afterwards. We, we never had to shut down. We have remained open since August of 2020. And that I think has given our students a better experience. We managed to continue our, our work in our, in our hospitals. We managed to keep seeing patients other than the COVID patients. And we also contributed to the local economy by um, maintaining our relationships with our vendors and contractors. That's great. That's great to hear. Now, were there any strategies that you employed during the pandemic that you're continuing to use now due to their effectiveness? Absolutely. The pandemic, of course, caused enormous suffering and you know a lot of excess debts. Uh, many people lost uh, their, their jobs. I think it's a big trauma, but it also forced some changes that I think are, are positive and, and we need to build on that. And I would say there's two changes that are particularly relevant for us as a university, as a comprehensive research university with an academic health system. First was that it allowed us to adopt technology for instruction and for healthcare delivery. So when the pandemic was declared in the spring of 2020, in March of 2020, our students were on spring break and we pivoted all to online instruction. Then we called them back in, in August, as, as I just mentioned a minute ago. But that ability to have uh, to finish the first semester when the pandemic had just been declared online, I think is a positive effect. It was a cultural change for our professors who typically didn't welcome the use of technology. Now we can use that, those technologies in a creative way. Not the same way we did at the pandemic, but other ways, blending the very high quality online with the in-person instruction in classrooms. Similarly, in the health field, we pivoted to a lot of telehealth. That is a good change. We can increase access to services, lower costs. And there are a lot of procedures that are more routine where you, need, you don't need a patient to travel for many minutes and commute to be seen by a doctor. You can do that better through remote means. The other big change was that it changed the way we do science. And we are a research university. Scientists from all over the world working in universities, in government, and in private industry, focused on collaborating, on getting reports of their results much, much quicker. And that's what allowed us to develop the vaccine that eventually saved humanity in record time. So I think the pandemic has also had a beneficial effect in fostering more collaboration, more rapid translation of scientific results into life-saving technologies like the vaccines that really changed the course of the pandemic in our favor. Now, UM operates UHealth, which is a University of Miami health system program that's gaining a lot of traction and a lot of media attention, thanks to you know its hospitals, its ambulatory services and whatnot. I know the program is expanding. So how do you see UHealth growing as a healthcare provider? Well, UHealth is the only academic health system in South Florida. What does that mean? It means that we provide care for the more complex cases, the most complex cases, what is called quaternary or tertiary and quaternary health care for complicated cases. But it also means that in the course of providing that care, we do the two fundamental functions of a university. One, we train, we educate the workforce of the future. 
This is where we educate future leaders in medicine, in nursing, and in all the other health professions. The second big function is we conduct the research. So we not only apply the research in treating patients, we are doing the clinical trials and other forms of research that will advance the effectiveness of that healthcare. And it's that integrated model where while we provide care to the more difficult cases, we also educate health professionals and we also advance knowledge through research. That's what defines an academic health system. And we happen to be the only one in South Florida. So we take this responsibility very seriously. Now, new health is growing and it's growing through a very important strategy of keeping an acute hospital, that's what we call U Health Tower, right in the middle of the medical care, the medical district in, in downtown Miami. But we're also expanding through high specialty ambulatory uh, units, units that, like the Lennar Foundation Medical Center in Coral Gables, which provide the most advanced care for cancer, for eye care, for heart disease, for dialysis in the case of people who need that kind of intervention but they do that without having to hospitalize the patient. That is the future of a lot of healthcare and allows, allows us to focus our hospital to the cases that have huge acuity where you really need the hospital setting. We also benefit enormously from our partnership now of 70 years with Jackson Memorial Health System. The University of Miami Miller School of Medicine was the first medical school in the entire state of Florida. It was founded in 1952, first medical school. From the beginning, it partnered with our, our safety net hospital, which is Jackson Memorial. It's a wonderful example of a public-private partnership. The university is a private entity. Jackson is a public county level hospital system. And we've partnered for the benefit of our patients. But we complement each other. <laughs> Jackson provides the whole array of health services and most of the physicians attending at, at Jackson are faculty members of our Miller School of Medicine. So that's been an enormous strength of the University of Miami Health System, Health System U Health. We believe that the future has to include growing. As you know, Florida is the state with the largest in-migration within the United States, in addition to the international migration that we receive. There's a huge migration within the U.S., and Florida is the main receiver of people from other states of the United States. Secondly, we have a population with a large proportion of people who come here in their retirement years and at advanced ages, obviously we, our need for healthcare increases. So we have both very young people who are moving here for the economic opportunities and older people who are in their, in their golden years. All of them have different needs for healthcare. Our state is growing. We need to grow with the state and continue to provide that unique original service of being the only academic health system in all of South Florida. As you just mentioned, uh, South Florida is one of the most diverse areas in the nation. Uh, a lot of that due to the immigration that takes place. And your students certainly reflect that. But I also heard recently that you're seeing more applications from other states, a lot more applications yeah. from other states. So what trends are you seeing in terms of, of student applications and enrollment? And again, where do you see the future grow? Well, for us, the trends are an incredible rate of growth in the number of applications. Let me just give you uh, one number. I'm in my eighth year as president. When I came here in 2015, that class of first year students for college 
was formed out of uh, about 32,000 applicants. For the class that's starting in the fall of 2023, we received 50,000 applications. So we've gone from 32 to 50. It's, it's a more than a 60% growth in just eight years. Now there are other universities and colleges in the rest of the country that are experiencing declining applications, but not us. We're, we're experiencing a huge growth in applications. Now we are not growing our student body because our campus is of a size where we can accommodate for the four years of college, about 10,000 students. So, you know, we admit a little bit less than, than 2,500 students every year because we have them for four years, right? So imagine that because we're not growing the, the student population, we don't want to have a crowded campus. That growth in the number of applications has allowed the university to be more selective. So we can select students who have you know, better performance in high school, better grades, better scores, who are academically stronger, who are more likely to succeed in university. But we also very deliberately try to form a diverse class because diversity is good for learning. Uh, our students, when they come to the University of Miami, this is the most diverse environment they have ever encountered in their lives. All our students, this is the most diverse but this is an environment that looks like the, the world they're gonna live in. The world is diverse. There's people with different ethnic and racial backgrounds, with different religious backgrounds, with different national origins. So this is part of their education to be in a diverse campus and that enriches the educational experience. And so we keep an eye at maximizing both the excellence of our education by selecting the top students and also the diversity. You can pursue both of those at the same time. And that's our philosophy. But we are very fortunate that a growing number of young people from all over the country are choosing the University of Miami. Right now, in our first year class, it's about a quarter of the first year class, about 25%, who are from the state of Florida, from the whole state of Florida. Three quarters come from every other state of the union, and we have students from about a hundred different countries. It's really a very a global university, it's representative of the entire United States. At the same time, we're very proud to be grounded in our community and we're very much connected to our local community in South Florida. Dr. Julio Frank joining us. Next, what UM is doing to keep talent in state when Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. Committed to being a leader in Florida's economic growth and to delivering clean and efficient natural gas solutions in a responsible way. More at floridasenergy.com. Now, because business journals serve a business audience, business leaders often say that our universities, including UM, do um, a great job of educating students but that many of the students leave the state once they graduate. So what do you think needs to happen to keep more of those graduates here instead of them their returning home? It is true that uh, we are exporting talent. So we receive students from you know all over the country, many countries in the world, they come here, they get, get education, but then they leave. And we are very focused on trying to retain more of that talent in South Florida. Now we have a unique opportunity 
as you know, and the people who are following this podcast, I'm sure are very much aware, one of the effects of the pandemic, one of the positive effects of the pandemic, was that it prompted a lot of people living in places with high innovation hubs, like Silicon Valley, like New York City, they moved to Miami, specifically to Miami. We're very fortunate to have a very activist major, both of the city of Miami and of Miami-Dade County, who actively attracted tech entrepreneurs, tech investors, venture capital, investment firms. And Miami has just grown in in these last years of the pandemic in an amazing way. This, which was originally called the Miami Moment, and now we talk of it as the Miami Movement, is really, uh, has taken Miami to a point where it is rapidly becoming an innovation hub, a global innovation hub, certainly a hub for the Americas, but also from around the world. This is a great opportunity because at the heart of every innovation hub, there is at least one comprehensive research university. And we are that university here. So we want to play a central role. I and many other members of my team, as well as some of our trustees have been in active communication with some of those companies that have relocated in Miami because we play two roles with them. We do a lot of the research that then can lead to innovations that some of those companies might want to commercialize, but also we are the providers of the talent pipeline in engineering, in computer science, in big data, There's a clear demand for that. And I think if we partner from the beginning with the future employers of our students, we can guarantee that our students, that talent will stay here. We just launched last year a pilot program. It's a three-year Bachelor of Science in Innovation, Technology, and Design. And it's not that because it's three years, we shorten the instruction or we provide you know, 25% less educational content. That's not it. It's that we package it differently. So those students from day one start working in one of the local firms. We've established partnerships with local firms in the innovation space. So that instead of doing an internship at the end of their studies, from day one, they start having that practical immersive experience that then they bring to the classroom So when they study theory, the theory makes sense because they've already had a practical uh, experience that relates to the theory. And we believe this could be, we're going to evaluate it very rigorously. We believe this could be a really innovative way of delivering higher education. I call it meta-innovation, innovation for innovation. We're innovating education of innovators in every field. I'm very excited about this project. We have many other initiatives. But the point here is we are partnering with local businesses, particularly in the tech space, to really be able to uh, deliver in terms of our graduates what the market is demanding and in that way help retain more of the talented workforce that we produce in South Florida. That's great to hear. You have a milestone coming up soon. I mean, UM marks its 100th anniversary in 2026, I believe. What areas or programs do you see the university kind of expanding on over the next five years or so? Yes, the actual centennial of the founding of the university is in 2025. University okay. was was formed uh, was formally created in on April the eighth, nineteen twenty five. Now the it took a year to start class, so the first class was in nineteen twenty six. So that that we we will okay. celebrate the, okay. the centennial of the first class, but the, okay. for the university. The centennial is actually 2025. 
I came here in year 90 of the university. I came here in 2015. Right. It was year 90. So we developed, since I arrived here, a 10-year strategic plan to the centennial. It's actually our strategic plan is called Roadmap to Our New Century. And it has a number of bold initiatives to not only celebrate what we've done in our first 100 years, but inaugurate our second century. That's what we're going to do when we celebrate the centennial. Celebrate what we've done in the past, but launch our second century. Now, for universities, 100 years is still a young university. We, we still can take a lot of risks. We are growing. We are expanding. We are an emerging university. We're not an old-fashioned established university. We're emerging. We're innovative. And, and that's what that strategic plan reflects. And I will tell you, some of the big initiatives are on educational innovation, innovating the way we, we provide that vital service of, of educating the most advanced component of the workforce. The uh, program I just mentioned a minute ago, the three-year Bachelor of Science in Innovation, Technology, and Design is just one of many examples of educational innovation. We're changing the way we do research. Instead of doing it in silos, we're integrating around problems. And we're, and so we're, you know, we have every part of the university collaborating around issues of climate resilience. We created an academy of climate resilience where we bring people from all parts of the university to tackle this challenge of climate change and the implications it has for Miami. And, and similarly with other problems around healthcare, health and wellness is another big area where we bring people from all over the university to do research and then quickly move to applying that research by developing technologies, by, by partnering with the business sector so that our discoveries can be translated into solutions very quickly. And then we're transforming our academic health system to be what we call a preeminent health system. We are the only academic health system in South Florida. And along with our high level of excellence, we're also designing and already have a number of destination programs. For example, if you look at our Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, that hospital has now been ranked for 22 years as the number one eye hospital in the United States. It is a destination program. The Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center, it's the only cancer center in South Florida that's been designated by the National Cancer Institute. So it can actually carry out the cutting edge clinical trials that are developing the new treatments. We need to, to grow that because that's a, an incredible resource. We have other such programs in urology, in dermatology, in uh, neurology that are destination programs where people come from all over the world to be seen here because we are one of the top, top programs in all those specialties. So those are the big priorities, educational innovation, what I call mission-driven research, research that's organized to achieve a mission like cure cancer or solve climate change, and finally, a preeminent health system. All right. Well, this about wraps up our segment. I want to thank you so much for joining us. I, I really enjoyed chatting with you today and learning more about all the great things that are going on at UN. I look forward to celebrating with you guys in 2025. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida and brought to you by Tico People's Gas at the heart of Florida's energy.